0: Here we go. Rejecting the screen. Noah Kazov out here on the East Coast, out West. Adam Stanko, just two plugged in dudes talking hoops and a little bit of life. Coming up on Mm. Thursday's edition of Going Iso, John Elmore. John Elmore is the only player in Division I college basketball history to be the all-time leader in his conference in points and assists. And he went to Summer League this past year with the Celtics, and then he went overseas. So... We're going to get into all the logistics that you just hear of. Oh, well, yeah, he's going overseas. What does it mean? So we're going to get into all of that coming up later this week on the Going ISO edition as we do every Thursday here on Rejecting the Screen. This episode is brought to you by BuiltBar.com. Right now, $5 off every single box. Plus, you can get the $10 promo using the promo code LOCKEDON off your first order go to builtbar.com, best tasting, low sugar, high protein bars out there. So the two of us, Adam and I have decades of production and broadcast experience. So that's where we're going to take this episode of rejecting the screen. If this all happens in Orlando, the single site, what does it mean for the television viewer and the television production?
1: Uh, Well, my background, I've worked for... Everywhere from the local news level, uh, regional sports networks, and ESPN. Um, I've been at Pac-12 Network, Comcast Sportsnet in Philadelphia doing a show for Northern California. Uh, But basically, pretty extensive production experience. I've been in the field over 20 years, and um, it's involved everything on, on the highlight side, studio production side, all the way up to from producer all the way to coordinator producer, I've created shows, I've run departments. So it's been pretty extensive, a lot of time in control rooms. I can tell you that much, I, a lot of time dealing with a uh, egomaniac on air talent. I'm not saying it. you're one I of them, it. but I'm just throwing, that, yeah. out
0: yeah. just throwing yeah, that out. That's why I was never in a fraternity because one guy could ruin it for everybody. And when you say <laughs> talent or you say broadcaster, Oh, you're on camera. Oh no, you don't, you don't need to pick this up. You don't need to clean this up. It's nonsense anyway. So, Take us through the production hurdles plus what you think would make for a good production given no fans at any of these games, potentially.
1: Okay, so a lot to unpack there, but obviously that's why we're doing the, the podcast. I think first and foremost in terms of the production hurdles is just overall safety and health of the, of the crew right? So we we think of the crew when we're watching games is it almost feels like you hear a couple voices piped in in your ear. Oftentimes, it's it's that of Noah Kozlov, depending on what your network you're watching on. But you're hearing a voice in your ear. And so it just feels like this intimate thing and that there aren't that many people involved. And the camera crew, sure, they can be spaced out and moved around. But you've essentially got two types of, of production, you have a control room, which is Oftentimes in in a building where there their the network is, uh, and that control room can be pretty expansive. But but the truth is people are in close quarters, and that's gonna involve a director, a producer, a technical director, associate director, graphics people, play out of the video people, uh, an Elvis machine, which is a media playback, replay as as you would think about it, uh doing broadcast. And then there's people that are adjusting lighting that are that are in the control room. Not to mention engineers. That becomes a pretty crowded space. It gets even more crowded as you are very familiar with Noah when you start to get out in the field and you're working with production trucks because now you're taking all those people, which is already in close quarters, and now you're putting them in a very confined space. Almost think of it. I, I you'd probably describe it what as a as a trailer almost. But when you mm-hmm. walk in it blows you away in terms of the technology and the amount Mm -hmm. of monitors. So I think the biggest hurdle altogether in terms of the production starts with just the safety and health of people that are going to be so closely to put together. And that is a, a hurdle. I don't know how you you get past. I mean, obviously you're testing those people, but then where are they going? And that's a whole nother thing. I just think that starts it. And then you start to get into the second part of this, which is the actual arena itself and how do you make this look good how do you make this broadcast look good without fans there and all the shots that we take for granted that are fan shots bumper shots you might think about of them as when they go out to commercial break or um stuff ins and outs all these things that they use billboard material which you'll see graphics over shots of fans or parts of the arena halftime productions all these things that we take for granted during a game broadcast, forgetting even the the ambiance and and the the noise, but just actual the visuals. That part is now gone. So how do you spruce up the broadcast in those moments? What are you showing? And it's got to be more creative. And we can obviously both get into that. But but what is your takeaway in terms of what essentially you just asked me?
0: Yeah. So on the safety side for for the production folks, it's the same way you'd have to deal with the players that you'd you'd have to be quarantined for two weeks once you get there on site, because there is no, I mean, being in a production truck is even tighter than being in a locker room. It's like being in a huddle Mm -hmm. for six hours that you're just, you're on top of each other. There's, you can't be six feet apart from everybody. Even someone who's in the third row of the production truck, oftentimes graphics back, right is within six feet of the director who is two rows in front on the left. So but I'm thinking about it from how it looks. And we're going to get into how it sounds from a broadcaster's side shortly. But from the way it looks, I think it's an opportunity to experiment with those camera angles. Because you don't want it to mm-hmm. make it look like it's Orlando Summer League. Because in Vegas, you had fans there. Orlando, Orlando Summer League, you never had any fans. So it felt like you were in an empty gym. And sure, you can say how much you like basketball. It was tough to watch, and I understand that the quality of play is different. But that whole feel of that was difficult to watch because you really mm-hmm. feel like you are yeah, in, a, yeah. in a in a cavernous gym. Okay, mm-hmm. so the the pumping in of crowd noise. So I think it has to be kept to a minimum, but you need some sort of um, you need some sort of ambient noise, and and I think it could be since in the in NBA arenas it's not as much on TV that you hear fans it's that you hear music so if you can get music organ etc into the broadcast with the hum of crowd noise underneath sure I, I think that's a good idea so that so that it doesn't
1: feel and, or sound hollow and I'll tell you to that point when when there was talk at the very beginning of this, think back, Rudy Gobert incident, when all of a sudden, that right at that time when it was NBA teams are going to play games without fans, that, that's what it was looking like, the landscape across the league. And obviously there was a 24-hour period, which things changed very quickly. But during that stretch, I know players were already sort of submitting their mixtapes, if you will, as to here's the music we want to play during the games because they're realizing too that there is a part of this that they are used to this energy, this electricity. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to have fans there, not just for the sake of the viewer, but just for the guys on the court to sort of boost up that energy level. Uh they they need that. And and there's this part of me, Noah, about the play itself, and, and more on the production one sec, but just reminds me of I, I am so curious as to the play itself how it will be because so many times role players in NBA games are ineffective because they're, they're not as, I I guess the word is courageous, or they're not going to be as gutsy. They're not going to make the moves. They're going to be a little more conservative. They're not going to do the things they would do if you saw them in a gym, when you and I go and watch guys work out or practice or what have you in a quiet gym, you're blown away at the skill set the athletic ability, all this. And then you see them in games and it's like, there's a level of tightness. That goes on. The superstars, I don't even think the superstars are ever at their full potential, whereas you would see them in like a pickup game, but they're the closest they'll ever get. But the role guys, I'm curious to see you probably might see some great performances from role guys, just like you see them blow up over the summer, because sometimes they just go crazy because they feel much more relaxed. So the play itself also, we have to factor in, might be impacted in a major way.
0: Well, I'll tell you one thing, it's gonna be pretty difficult to bet on these games because of the multitude of variables that are going into <laughs> these games and into the play itself. So another thing that has been discussed a lot has been players mic'd up and coaches mic'd mm-hmm. up. I'm all for it, but like we saw with in the match with Tiger and Phil and, and Brady and Peyton, as we recorded this on Monday, that match was on Sunday. They, they, bleeped out and paused and went to silence over all the curse words. So they had a, they had a delay there now in the NBA, when coaches are mic'd up the levels that the levels of checks, that what goes out over the air, you wonder why it's so boring. Well, because they're being checked by the league, not just the production truck, but by a member of the league office on the entertainment side, is listening to the wires all the time. Like even in all-star games, there's different people from the league listening to everybody's wire throughout. So you got to make sure that, one, those players and coaches are protected, not from play calls and that kind of thing, but from something slipping out over the air that would ruin their reputation. That's really tricky and dangerous. I'm okay with them giving it a shot, but it's not my job on the line. But also, you want to make sure that when all the guys are mic'd up, this that all the guys want aren't going to agree to be mic'd up, and the league's not going to force it on the guys either, mm-hmm. because, like, so Iverson would only get mic'd up. So there's a there's a sound guy, and that's putting it, you know, that's almost underselling Mario Mario Porporino, who's been working for the NBA for years as an independent contractor. Iverson would only get mic'd up by Mario, because Mario made it feel like there was nothing on him. So some of these guys are going to then complain, even though as non evasive as the, the microphones and the packs are, they're and ah, I don't like the way this feels here. I don't like the way this is. I don't like the way this feels. And also on the broadcast, you don't want to make it feel like it's some sort of exhibition game. Maybe you do it if they're going to have some of those exhibition games or they're going to have some, Right, preseason games, tune-up games, you give it a shot to see how it feels on the players and, and how it sounds on the broadcast. But once it gets down to it, and like in playoff games, I'm, I would highly doubt that players are going, the star players are going to agree to have this on. Maybe a guy who's sitting on the bench that picks up sound, okay. But how often do I want to hear from that guy just sitting on the bench having those types of conversations?
1: Yeah. I think all that stuff is, is it's important to understand the context and and you're right. So during the course of the game, I I think when we think about players being mic'd up, I can't imagine a world in which the NBA allows that to happen in live. I just, I don't, I don't. It it wouldn't happen
0: live. There would have have to be some sort of delay.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so we see it on some level on some major games for major broadcasts now where they'll say like mic'd up. And then you see like 30 seconds. And I think the idea would be that we're going to see that a whole lot more is there, is there hope? And also it's, I think it comes down though to the huddles and it's really going to be interesting as to how much the teams buy in. It really is because how much are they going to get into this world in which we see a total buy-in, some coaches agree to it, some don't, Like, but the league forces it in some instances. Everyone understands how important this is to make these games feel big. If you're putting so much on the line, you get one shot at this. In those moments, are the teams, are the coaches, are they going to be down with it? And no, before before we move on, I did want to ask you as one question. As a broadcaster, how would you approach these games knowing that you don't have those great crowd moments, knowing that you don't have an opportunity sometimes just to shut up and let the crowd speak for itself. What would your strategy be as a broadcaster going into a game like this? I will give you all of those answers next. Alright, well before you do, Noah, I've been raving about Built Bar and for great reason. Obviously they're sponsoring this podcast, but I have fallen in love with their product. Built Bar is un believable it just tastes so great that's the best part best tasting protein bar out there you just have to experience it it's real chocolate the flavors are terrific and you'll be shocked the first time that you bite into one of these things because it really does taste like a candy bar but unlike cliff bars and the other bars on the market it doesn't sort of promote itself as one thing but then actually has the sugar of a candy bar it has very low sugar but they're high protein no crazy additives they're really unbelievable and no, for there's four new flavors out right now peanut butter, banana, pineapple, mm. upside down cake. Mm. How about that? Coconut pecan pie. Oh, hold on. I say pecan. Okay.
0: Right. So that's what I want to. I was, I knew you were going to say pecan. So pecan is a everywhere but the South, right? In the South, it's pecan. Yep. yep. Yeah. So I've been corrected on that. And my, and my dad's parents, he grew up in Pittsburgh, but his parents and a lot of the family is from. Cordill Georgia, middle of the state Georgia, oh. Macon Georgia, a lot of family in Atlanta, and then from spending a lot of time down south with it for work, it's been drilled into my head pecan pecan pecan. I knew you were going to say pecan, and you know so what? So you say pecan now because pecan just sit pecan just sounds better.
1: Okay, coconut pecan pie mm. and blueberry lemon. How about that, mm. Noah? Mm. Now Good here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. We've been talking about it already that if you go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on, you get $10 off your first box. We've been yeah. talking about that, right? Sure. So people already must be excited. Well, here's the deal for this week only, up until May 31st, $5 off every box of bars. That's in addition to the $10 off promo code ah. locked on. At BuiltBar.com. So go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code locked on. Get $10 off your first box. And also, as I said, this week only, $5 off every box. On the broadcast side, something I tweeted out a week or two ago about
0: without having a crowd is for a broadcaster, one of the great techniques, one that oftentimes gets... Applauded by the 9,000 media critics out there is (laughs) laying out. And laying out means when it's a big moment. And that's what Marv's, yes, and Mike Breen's, bang, like that's what it allows for. It's a short call. And then you allow the crowd, usually when it's a home crowd, usually don't do it when it's a big moment on the road. um, But for the crowd to take over. And so that as a viewer that you can really feel the moment and I've done it. I think most broadcasters have done it and you hate to do it. But what you do is if you're working with a, a new analyst or yes, a guy yes. that hasn't worked a ton of games together or just in general, you give them the Heisman and the Heisman, like you, you, put, out, you put out your hand yes. and you give them the Heisman, the stop sign, like, hey. You got to let this lay out. And then you give them the okay. So, you know, analysts who have done it for a while, they get it and you do it. But oftentimes with newer analysts, they get really excited. They're in the moment, especially former players. They, they tend then to over talk and it just ruins the moment. And then in your head is the play-by-play guy. You're like, oh my God, I just ruined it. Oh my God. He's just talking and talking and talking. Am I the only one who's cringing here? Am I the only one?
1: Oh, God. What's so, what's so great is people don't understand the chemistry between a play by play guy and a color guy. Mm-hmm. And, and having talked to a lot of them, and it's always interesting, the personalities can be so different, like who a play by play guy stereotypically is, right? Like we, the guy we assume, and there's a generalizing here. But I talk to a lot of color guys, and it's funny because guys that have been in the business a while and that are very good. They'll also sometimes work with inexperienced play-by-play guys, and they get that same move, the Heisman move, The mm-hmm. this guy stopped me. And sometimes it's not even to let the action breathe, as, as we call it, but also sometimes it's just because they want to further a point. And so, hey, don't jump in here. I'm going to continue to talk because that's what I'm going to do. And people, I think, don't understand. They'll hear broadcast, and I've always said, my friends, family, they'll say to me, like, mm, I don't necessarily like that team or I don't like those guys together. They won't know why. And it's just something that comes across on the broadcast when the chemistry is not there. And it really does start with what's happening, Noah, in your world Mm -hmm. with you next to a color guy and trying to make this broadcast the best that it possibly can be.
0: Right. So it's the the play by plays broadcasters job. And this is what I take very seriously to make the analyst the star, to make the analyst Mm -hmm. be able to take folks behind the curtain and let educate people educate the viewers without sounding like you're standing up in front of the classroom, preaching. So in these, in this situation, if there's no noise, and that's why I'm really recommending the, you have some of the crowd, but you have, you have the music also not like a video game, but you have some of the crowd, some of the music so that the play by play and the analysts don't feel like they just have to fill all the silence. And, yeah, there is something to be said for hearing the squeaks, hearing the dribbles. If we're not going to hear the players, that's another situation. But you cannot have a broadcast where the play-by-play guy and the analyst and sideline are just talking the entire time. It's not a good broadcast. It's not. But neither is just all the silence. So that's an issue. The other issue is, and it might be less of a case in the NBA, because the national broadcasters have such great relationships with the coaches, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to guess that, that the broadcasters will not be on site. And if they're not on site, you lose the conversations with the coaches and conversations with players at shoot around, et cetera, where you get all the nuggets you can get, game notes anywhere fans can get game notes if they wanted to mm-hmm. you can get all the facts and figures you can get that but it's all the other stuff that you miss by not being there i've been on games you know far less attention on them than these nba games or really any of these nba playoff games but you're on the phone with a coach and he says i've got six minutes and you're like what <laughs> you're you're a co- you're a college football coach and you have you have six minutes to talk to the broadcasters for your game. And in my head immediately, when I hear six minutes, I'm like, F this guy. And maybe I'll talk to him when, when I get there, but I don't want him doing me any favors, but I want to be able to bring the best broadcast to the fans. And, but when you're in person, a lot of times the guys can't stop talking and that's, and that's what you want. So you're going to lose a lot of the insider type stuff that you would get if you were around
1: the teams and around the coaches and Noah it isn't just those conversations and those extra benefits that you get from being around these guys and and the information but there's also the idea of what you're seeing so granted when you're doing a remote broadcast, and they're becoming more and more popular because our industry is going more and more to an automated environment, just like a lot of industries are, but certainly streamlining and cutting costs without traveling. You're on air, folks. Mm-hmm. You're saving money on airfare and hotels, meals, whole deal. But here's the deal: that you guys are unable then to see certain things, and and it may not be throughout the game. And basketball is pretty good, I know. Talking to a lot of guys who call games baseball is the worst because you can get a hit Brutal. down on the third baseline and Brutal. you have no idea it. did the guy it you've done it before yeah yeah so but basketball there's things that you're missing and 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 people would say well I mean you really have a ton of angles but if you think about when you're watching a broadcast how many times do you watch it at home and something happens on the floor and you didn't happen to catch exactly mm-hmm. what that was now Granted, you may have somebody that's there, a director, or there may be certain types of spotters that are going to have for these remote broadcasts because so much is on the line. But you need to know right away. And I'm just curious as to how difficult that is as a broadcaster when there's stuff you may not see at first glance.
0: All right. So two things. One, I did a baseball game for MLB Network, I don't know, maybe like 10 years ago. It, was some, it wasn't World Baseball Classic. It was some, internet, some international game. Okay. And it was, and it was taped. It had been played and, and we were, we were recording. It. And I was doing it with Dan Plesak and we had tiny monitors in oh. the MLB network studios. And so we do an open and I introduced myself, introduced Dan and in the open, he called me Josh. <laughs> and so, so we finished, we finished the open and like, I can't, I can't now talk to, I can't just hit, I'm trying to hit talk back to then talk to the, so that it doesn't go out over everybody's ears and, and, and then my analyst hears it too, but you hit a talk back button. So on the box where your headset is connected, you have a talk back and a cough button. So the cough when, if you need to say anything or actually cough, it doesn't get out over the air. Talk back goes right to the, right to the producer and director in the truck. And I'm, I'm but I'm trying to make sure that he doesn't hear me. I'm hitting talk back and I'm like, uh, he, he called me Josh. We, and this has nothing to do with the NBA. I was like, shouldn't we redo that? He, he did. He like, Hey, call me. Oh, we're good. We're good. I'm like, we're good. Uh, we're good. Like, right. Like this is something that's fixable here. Okay. This isn't like it was bobbled down the right field line and I couldn't see it because the camera's following the runner, but I'll tell you the best experience I've had with this last year for stadium in Kansas city. And I was calling games with Doug Gottlieb and Tim Scarborough. It was the Cayman Islands Classic. It was eight college basketball teams over Thanksgiving. We called 12 games in three days. This was the best setup. Yes, they had fans there, and we had a sideline. Kristen Balboni was on site, but it was just cameramen on site. That was it, and everybody else was back in the studio. But this was the best setup for basketball, and I let the folks at the NBA... Last year, know this, as I figured that they might be moving to different types of experimental broadcasts, I said, and also for their international broadcast, how hollow those feel sometimes on nBA tv i said here 's how you have to do it so we had the pro- we had a program monitor, which means what's going out over the air, and then we had six or seven other monitors, so we saw what every other camera was focused on at that point on on the court we had a, we had a wide shot we had what was we had the program? We had all the other cameras, so at any Low given base, point,
1: above the rim, right. All
0: those, so, right. so at any given point, you could see what else was going on around the court, so that as a broadcaster, you didn't miss that type of stuff. And also with audio to make it sound better, you've got to have speakers in front of you that are picking up what is going on in the arena, and those speakers have to be loud enough so that you feel it as a broadcaster, you actually feel the audio on your chest. So when you're at a game, you can feel the crowd, you can feel the music, you can feel the energy. And then it also comes out over your microphone just a bit so that when you're speaking, it doesn't sound like you're in a bathroom stall. It sounds Mm -hmm. like you're actually there even though you're not. You're not trying to fool anybody, but from sound quality and from a broadcaster's feel perspective, it's the best. I also think, and we'll close with your point, too. I also think that it's an opportunity. One, one more bit, just thought of this on the production side. I know the NBA has long wanted to mess with angles and try things out and make things more video game like. This is an opportunity Ooh. now with nobody in the, nobody in the crowd, because i on a video game, who cares who's in the crowd, to be able to go lower angle And they produced games last year on iPhones at Summer League. This is an opportunity to go low angle, try things out and make you feel more like you're part of the game.
1: The bottom line for all this stuff is creativity. And so with these restrictions, with the way this is so much on the line, you need to make it feel big. There has to be an element of creativity. We are going to see things get pulled out of the box that ESPN has wanted to try, that other broadcasters have wanted to try. If they have the capability, the resources, this is where you put them in. And it's a dream for a lot of these guys in order to get the chance to do that. But my final point on this was going to be, you, you mentioned it, you're not trying to fool anybody. But if your broadcasters aren't on site, oftentimes there is a level of, we're trying to fool people. You, you aren't telling them that you're there and then you're not. It's not a Mitch album. Writes this guy was in the stands watching, you know, the, the Final Four game, and then he wow. wasn't even in attendance. But it, but no, it's it's not it's not diabolical. It's just the idea, though, that you want the best viewer experience, and there's something to be said for people when they're thinking that the broadcasters are watching it at home, just like they are, or theoretically, you know, at home. There's something that changes the way that you view the game. This So it's almost like a suspension of disbelief. And I would just say that I'm curious to see how the opens are. If we see the opens with the broadcasters, because the game will be so big, are they going to try to show them in that way? And oftentimes you can do that with just a curtain up behind you, green screen, what have you. So I don't think they'll say that they aren't there. But there's also this part of me that thinks, you know what, in this world of full transparency, and we're all on Zoom calls all day, that maybe they just do. Maybe they just say, hey, we're not there. We're trying to keep as many people safe as possible. That's exactly right.
0: That's exactly right. They won't, they'll say that we're not there and no one will blame them for not being there because of the situation that we're all, for sure. All right, coming up, the other hoops that the league has to jump through, no pun intended. First, let me tell you about Blinkist. It's my secret weapon for learning new things and getting ahead. And I've told you throughout this entire pandemic, I don't have a whole lot of time for a whole lot of things except for teaching my kindergarten daughter and doing this podcast and some other things work related. But here's an opportunity now to use Blinkist. Since you don't have a whole lot of time to sit down and read and learn, it's, it's really unique. And it works on any one of your devices. It takes all those key takeaways from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen it to. And it doesn't, it doesn't really feel like you're being given a lesson either. So I use it mostly when I'm up in the morning and getting ready for the day. And, and recently I've been, I've been listening to Warren Buffett's ground rules because why not at this point, because right. everybody's got to figure out what to do with their money. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books. They've got all sorts of genres from sports to psychology to biographies to career and success. Go to Blinkist.com slash MBA, and you can try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist, Blinkist.com slash MBA. Start your free seven-day trial. You'll also save 25% off But only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA, Blinkist.com slash NBA. We know this isn't going to be some sort of easy feat to pull this whole thing off. The only way that the NBA has even gotten to this point is if they feel confident in their testing. So they're not even saying, well, if we have the test, if this, this. Mm -hmm. I'm fully confident that they've got it now. They wouldn't be going down this far if. They didn't have it, but there are still significant hoops to jump
1: through and a lot of what-if scenarios. There's a, there's a bunch to think about, and I, I know the momentum right now feels like this is, this is imminent. We're almost there, and the NBA, just like they were at the forefront of stopping play when it was a big issue health-wise, they're also on the forefront of resuming it, and, and, the, and the world is watching what the NBA is doing. They're watching what Adam Silver has done from a leadership perspective. And I'll just say that there's a couple of things that concern me. The first is that you have families that have been impacted throughout the league. So I know we've heard case after case of guys like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and Kevin Durant who have come down with coronavirus. Also, other, you know, Patrick Ewing's in the hospital, and you've got. Um, Dolan had it and apparently has, has recovered fully. You have all these cases, but, but you're hearing about people that are healthy, but there's also Carl Anthony Towns, mother passed away. DJ Benga's sister passed away from the virus. So there are those cases. I think you're going to still have a lot of players who are scared to play. I'm curious about what happens with the teams that aren't going to make the playoffs this year, how willing they're going to be to risk their health. And I just think about all of the issues that are going to come with not just testing, but if Anthony Davis all of a sudden right before a game or morning of we get the report, he's not playing because he tested positive for COVID-19, what happens? Do they shut the whole thing down? Do they continue? And by the way, let's say the Clippers go on to win the NBA championship. Is that a double asterisk on this whole thing? (laughs) Because now some of the guys that are the elite players didn't play. What if it's a few players that come down with this? And are guys going to be allowed to play in those instances? Of course not. So I'm just curious how all that stuff shakes out. That's what I'm thinking about top of mind.
0: All right, so I do think that you quarantine everybody when you get there. I do think, as we record this on Monday, and things can change next hour. So, at the risk of sounding foolish here, I don't think the whole league is going to be playing. I don't think you're going to have 30 teams. Uh, the teams that are completely out of it, they're going to figure out some sort of deal with revenue sharing or some way to get them the money that they would have gotten if they had those regular season home games, or maybe they end up just losing that money. But they're going to be way too many teams that are completely out of it. They're not going to go through everything just to play five or six games. I I just can't see it happening. Or if they do the stars aren't playing on those teams. Steph Curry's not playing. Klay Thompson's not playing. It's not, it's not going to happen. But right. if, if one of the stars gets hurt, well, if you've agreed to play and not, I shouldn't say get hurt, comes down with the virus, then you've already determined that if one guy gets sick, then we test everybody else. And that person ends up quarantined. And hopefully it hasn't broken out amongst the rest of the team, but it's then treated the same way that, Clay Thompson's knee was treated or Kevin Durant's Achilles. Like in in the playoffs, injuries happen. Derrick Rose's famous ACL, like injuries happen. And when the players agree to this, then they are taking, then they would be taking on that risk. It sounds cold, but I do think that's how the league
1: would be looking at it and would spell it out to the players. And one final thing on all this it's kind of funny to me. We saw Jordan's Last Dance documentary. All the steam and all the goat talk, the momentum shifted back over to MJ. I'm curious as to how much like the momentum for the league resuming has been helped by the idea that there is no one in the world who wants to step onto a basketball court more right now than LeBron James. And he's pushing for it. And I can tell you, and you know, Noah, how much influence he has in the league and in the sports world in general. If he was hesitant about playing, And I think this has helped influence him. The documentary, I mean, if he was hesitant about playing, then that would be a roadblock to them getting this whole thing restarted. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right.
0: All right, so this episode's been brought to you by BuiltBar.com. $5 off every box on the site right now. $5 off every box. And if you haven't used... If you haven't ordered yet, you're going to get $15 off because you get the $10 promo. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON. They've got all those new flavors. Peanut butter, banana, pineapple upside down cake, coconut, pecan pie, pecan, not pecan, blueberry, lemon, and so many other flavors. Low sugar, high protein, best tasting bars out there on the market, builtbar.com. Check out everything else going on on the On podcast network. Also, Hollinger and Duncan every Monday. On Fantasy Hoops with Josh Lloyd still putting together the best fantasy teams of all time of every Mm. franchise Chad Ford's NBA Big Board and take a listen back to our going ISO edition with Chad last week so you can learn more about who Chad is not just Chad Ford the draft big fan of the
1: podcast he's a big Big fan of our
0: podcast Locked On NBA five days a week and also your team every day the Locked On Podcast Network on Instagram we're at rejecting underscore the underscore screen Adam's on Twitter at Naismith Lives I'm at Noah Kozlov C-O-S-L-O-V just subscribe and share it That's all we're asking. Adam,
1: thanks, pal. You are the best.